Well, good morning, everyone. It's great to see you. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, as you probably already figured out this morning. I'm sure all of us have experienced the phenomenon of making plans for a day and then having them interrupted and changed. <laughs> That's kind of life, isn't it? Yesterday we had a simple plan for my son to drive up to Quick Trip and get some milk and bread. And a little bit later we were getting a phone call that the vehicle wouldn't start and jumping wasn't helping. And so off to Quick Trip we go. I mean, at least we were at Quick Trip, so we had all our necessities and everything <laughs> right there. And then what was just going to be a 10-minute little trip turned into several hours of other tasks of getting the vehicle towed back and pushed into the garage and more than likely a new starter needing to be swapped out. So plans change, don't they? Things change. On a daily basis, we experience this. And we know that, again, that this is life. And uh, we know, and it always reminds us that We're not in control, and that's an illusion that uh, I'm afraid too many people buy into, and probably ourselves included at times, is that we're in control, and uh, things need to go our way, Um, and the Lord reminds us that's not the case. The difference, though, between us and others, perhaps, outside of the faith is we do know God's in control. And that's where we have our hope, and we can still have joy, even when things don't go the way we hoped, the way we wanted. And no matter what enters our life, we know that God is working, and He's working all things to good. And we've learned to accept His will, and accept His plans for us, and to accept His change of our plans, as it were, because He is, again, good and glorious, and is working in our lives. This morning, we're going to be looking at the passage of 1 Corinthians 16 and looking at verses 5 through 12, looking really at the idea of God and plans, um, as we see with the Apostle Paul speaking of some plans and some decisions and how the Lord led and how the, the Lord changed His plans at times and things didn't go the way He initially thought and And yet, we just see in that the example and the reminder again that we trust God and we trust His plans. We trust Him to be present and at work in our lives. Let's again read our passage. It's beginning with verse 5 here in 1 Corinthians 16. Now, I will come to you when I pass through Macedonia, for I am passing through Macedonia. And it may be that I will remain or even spend the winter with you that you may send me on my journey wherever I go. For I do not wish to see you now on the way, but I hope to stay a while with you, if the Lord permits. But I will tarry in Ephesus until Pentecost. For a great and effective door has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. And if Timothy comes, see that he may be with you without fear. For he does the work of the Lord, as I also do. Therefore, let no one despise him. But send him on his journey in peace, that he may come to me, for I am waiting for him with the brethren. 
Now concerning our brother Apollos, I strongly urged him to come to you with the brethren, but he was quite unwilling to come at this time. However, he will come when he has a convenient time. Out of this passage this morning, we'll bring out three major points or ideas. And the first one is, trust the Lord to direct your steps. Accept opportunity with adversity and make decisions with the Lord. Uh, Again, these are simple things, but it's exactly what's happening in this text and what Paul and these other men and people involved had to realize and understand that ultimately it was God in control and God was the one directing the steps here. So in verses 5 through 7, we see that Paul laid out some plans that he had. Now, if you don't know that when he wrote the book of 1 Corinthians, it is believed that he was in the city of Ephesus, that he was ministering in Ephesus. Uh, well, obviously he says that right there in the text. He says he's staying in Ephesus until Pentecost in verse 8, so that's where he's at. And he's, he's writing, but he's hearing in Ephesus that there's some challenges in Corinth. And that's what he's been addressing throughout this epistle, these different challenges. They had questions. There were things they were struggling with. And quite honestly, there were some things they were just completely uh, uh, failing at, (laughs) simple things. And he was like a father to them in a lot of ways, and he wanted to help them along and wanted to, you know, bring correction and instruction and wanted to bring um, them back uh, to the Lord in all these different areas of their life. And so... He's writing this epistle, but he says here, but I still plan to come. I want to come. I want to spend time with you. I want to be there. And he lays out what he, uh, what he senses at this time will, will work out. He had plans to go back. He was going to go to Macedonia, which is a uh, region, what we would know as modern-day Greece. Macedonia was a southern province, and, uh, um, or excuse me, the northern province, um, of Greece, and Paul was going to go to the north part, then he was going to go to the south part of Achaia, where Corinth was, so he was going to pass through Macedonia, as he says, and then on his way to Corinth and make it through there. So he says, I'm coming, and this is probably when, and this is probably the direction I'll be coming from, and I'm going to lay it out. Yet, um, he also realized God was in control, as we see in verse 7, if the Lord permits. But one of the things I want to point out here is that, you know, it is good to make plans. Uh, and that's our first point. God calls us to prepare. You know, Paul didn't just wake up and decide, you know, I'm leaving today. <laughs> I'm going to go to Corinth today. No, he's thinking ahead. He's thinking ahead. Um, Pastor Lynn was mentioning all the dates in the bulletin. Well, we're just putting out there what the plan is so you can be aware and you can make your plans because we know you are all got busy lives and you've got Thanksgiving and Christmas and travel and different things coming up. So we're simply letting you know what we're thinking so you'll know and you can make, you can prepare. Um, and that's what we do, right? Uh, maybe, maybe now you're already making Thanksgiving plans and you're going to go here or you're going to go there and you, you're already, you know, figuring out how you're going to get a hold of a turkey in our weird economy, <laughs> where I hear there's a turkey shortage now, so I don't know. You'd be lucky to hit one on the road, I guess. <laughs> so anyway, um, there's more than one way to make Thanksgiving happen. No, I'm just teasing. But um, anyway, you're making plans, and that's good and well. And uh, we understand this. God, he does. He calls us to be prepared, to think ahead, to, to obviously consider him and acknowledge him in all that we do. 
But yes, we think and we, we, we get understanding and we get wisdom over time and that all informs our preparation and our plans and the things we decide to do and how we decide to do it. And, and that's, that's a good thing of life. That's good stewardship, right? You remember in the Proverbs where he says, look to the ant, you sluggard. <laughs> the ant prepares. <laughs> the ant has a plan. The ant gets to work. And, uh, and, then, and then the ant's plan changes when you step on his, his anthill. <laughs> no, anyway, okay. <laughs> but no, we make plans. God calls us to be prepared, but we bring him into this. And I want to share a passage that you know, and that's Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. I think we'll throw it up here on the screen. And this verse, this, these two verses says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. And that's a, that's a, those are good verses for life. You know, you, you trust in the Lord. You make plans. You think ahead. You talk to people. You, 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 you lay out a path. And then you have to trust the Lord with it, though, don't you? Because it could change. And things come in that you weren't expecting. Jeeps break down. Uh, whatever. Things, things don't go. But we lean on him, as that passage says, and all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. And that's what I think we see the Apostle Paul doing here. He was a prepared individual, but he also recognized God's in control, not me, and so we're going to go with what God does. And so this is what I think is going to happen. And if you notice in his language, he uses some words that, and it may be that I remain with you. And uh, or even spend the winter with you. He's like, I'm not exactly sure because I don't have all the, uh, you know, I'm not in control of all the circumstances, but this is what we're, we're moving toward. So yes, we're called to be prepared. And another thing I want to point out in this passage, and it comes really out in verse 6, which I was just alluding to, is that we see again, he wanted to remain and maybe spend the whole winter with the Corinthians, and then he would go out from Corinth again. And something else God calls us to, as we do plan, God calls us to make time for people. That's what he's doing. And really all his plans in this text that he's talking about are, I want to I serve you. I want to come alongside you, spend time with you, share life with you. Um, you know, and I think about this, Paul, Paul needed to go to Corinth to kind of bring some stability and instruction and correction. You know, that doesn't sound like a very fun job, right? When you read through 1 Corinthians, I don't want to be the guy to go have to figure this out with him. I don't want to be the guy to go clean up the mess, as it were. But Paul loved them, and he was willing to suffer on their behalf. He was willing to travel and make the expensive journeys and, and do what he needed to do to, to help them along. Uh, but his plans revolved around ministering to other people, serving people. And again, he recognized that, that what he, his ministry is not, was not just sharing words, but sharing life. And that's why he didn't want to just pass through. He didn't just want to make a quick stop in. Uh, you know, hey, you're, you're, you're messing this up. Let me show you how to do it. And then I'm leaving the next day, you know. Um, by the way, that would probably be more uh, appealing. Like, if i got to go say some corrective words, I want to get in and get out. <laughs> right? But that's not his heart. His heart is, no, I want to spend time with you. And let's really, let's really get down to the heart. Let's really get into what's going on here. And let's, let's have some extended time together. 
And you know what? That's what so often people need in life is extended time with others. You know, we have the mentality that, like, I walked by, I said a word. Isn't that enough? Isn't that good enough? I said, trust the Lord, and I walked on. And then that, didn't I do what I needed to do? <laughs> and that's, that's not how it works, though. It's, it's extended time. It's life. It's life together. And Paul, his schedule, his agenda revolved around that, about how can I serve other people. And I think when we make plans, when we look at our calendars, when we look at our schedules, do we make time for people? Do we make time for people? You know, it's easy to rush here and there with no time to actually listen and talk and get together with people, which is so much of what ministry really is. It's really what what we're really called to be about, is making time for each other and really coming alongside each other. You know, that's a fun thing, too. That's a little side thought. But there's this really infamous Greek word, parakaleo, which means to come alongside. And, and you know, what I always kind of picture as putting your arm around somebody and walking with them and talking with them and listening and, and imparting life. And that's, that's what we're so often called to do, parakaleo. A lot of times it's, it's translated like encourage or comfort in the New, English New Testaments. But we're called to parakaleo. You can't do that from a distance, nor can you do that in just a few moments and then, and then be gone. It takes its life. It's life together. And that's what the Apostle Paul... Uh, was about and what was part of the what was directing his plans his agenda what he was about in life there's a there's a fun song that i thought i would share that actually comes from a veggie tales video and some we have some veggie tales fans here i think it's getting to be kind of an old thing now but uh, there was a, a video called are you my neighbor about the good samaritan and i like it because there's these two characters that sing this song about how they don't have time for people. And it goes, you want me to sing it? Here we go. (gasps) Nah. (laughs) I'll just read it. It goes, we're busy, busy, dreadfully busy. You no idea what we have to do. Busy, busy, shockingly busy, much, much too busy for you. Because we're busy, busy, dreadfully busy, more than a bumblebee, more than an ant. Busy, busy, horribly busy. We'd like to help, but we can't. <laughs> I know. Come on up here, Justin. Let's get the music team back up here pronto, and let's do this. No. <clears throat> but that's the temptation in life, right? I like that Ill, Ill, the Ill, illusion of a bumblebee. Bzzz, all over the place, you know, all about what it's doing. Or an ant, you know, ants, it's right on its job. Like we talked about that proverb, you look to the ant, you sluggard. But this, the ant, he's busy. But, but we, can make, we get so busy, we don't have time for people. We've got our schedule so full, our calendar so f- filled, that maybe there's not time to come alongside somebody when they need some encouragement. And again, that's what we're called to in all our planning, because that's what, the, what's what God calls us to. And then the last thing, and we, again, again see it somewhat expressed in his language. Paul wanted to stay a while with them when he got there. He wanted to maybe even spend the winter, not some extended time. And the reason for that is winter is a dangerous time to travel in that world. Um, if you remember the account of the shipwreck at the end of the book of Acts, 
the reason that happened was they traveled during the winter, and the stormy seas and, and, and the weather patterns of that time made, made travel dangerous, especially on the sea. So usually you got somewhere and you stayed put for the winter. And that was basically what Paul's saying here. I'm gonna, I'd like to get there and spend that extended season with you. But again, his language, his idea, and it's captured mainly in the last part of verse um, 7, if the Lord permits. And it's just the fact that we're called to be flexible. Paul's laying out his plans. He wants to stay a while, as he says in verse 7. I, I don't just wish to see you now on the way. And again, that's just, he doesn't want to just stop in and then keep going. He wants to stay a while. But if the Lord permits, if the Lord allows in this, um, what's he looking at? He's saying God's in control, not me. And that's up to really him how this is all going to work out in the end. And I think Paul's attitude in all things was the will of the Lord be done. And that's something that we have to just continually accept in life. The will of the Lord be done. Whatever happens, when things go bad, when, when things don't work out the way we hoped, the will of the Lord be done. And that's his heart here. Proverbs 16.9, it'll be up on the screen here as well. A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. And that's what Paul understood. I'm planning my way. I've got some ideas. This is what, I'm, what I hope to do, but the Lord directs my steps. Now, it's interesting because here in the text, we get the plan, and then when you start putting together other scripture, you find out it really seems like the plan changed pretty dramatically, pretty drastically. Based on some things Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, it's believed by many that he instead made an unplanned trip to Corinth. It seems that what happened is Timothy, who was, is sent to Corinth, actually came back to Paul while he was in Ephesus with some bad news, and then Paul decided, I'm going to go ahead and go, and that he went over from Ephesus right to Corinth directly and then gave them some correction, and then he went back to Ephesus, and that's when he wrote 2 Corinthians. And not to get into all the nitty-gritty, we'll probably talk more about it once we get into 2 Corinthians, but, you know, just, just some interesting Bible, uh, I guess, knowledge or trivia here is that the epistles we call First and Second Corinthians are believed by many to be actually Paul's, um, I believe it's his second and fourth epistles to them, and that the actual first and third ones were not inspired or preserved. And so what we normally call first and second were actually his second and fourth letters. Because when you study all of that he says and all the things that happen, and there's a chronology that emerges. And, uh, but just so you know that, it seems, though, very much so, that he did make that short trip back to kind of bring instruction, correction, to help them along. And then he came back to Ephesus, and then he wrote Second Corinthians because he refers back to making them sorrow and, and having a more stern visit with them. So the point being... Apparently, even what he said right here, it changed not too long afterward. It changed. Plans change. Be flexible. See, Paul, it wasn't that he was not a man of his word. He was a man of his word. We all want to be people of our word. But sometimes plans change because of what happens circumstantially. And if God changes your plans... You can do two things. You can fight it, <laughs> or you can go with it. And you know what often comes out, the sort of uh, 
telltale sign of when we struggle to accept God's plans, what's going on in the moment. Complaining. Complaining is usually the symptom, you know, of, what, of, of us struggling to accept what's not going the way we hoped they would go. You know, a lot of us, I'm sure, we've had a lot of changes of plans this year. Some of us have lost loved ones. Some of us have dealt with illnesses and health challenges. Some of us have experienced big changes at work. And yet, no matter what does change in the world, and no matter how many of your plans didn't come to fruition, Romans 8.28 remains true. And where it says, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. And what we find, I mean, what we understand, it's not, it's not always easy to rest in the truth, <laughs> but even when things aren't going the way we want, when we're going through painful things, hardships, this verse, God's still working good. It was better than what you had planned. It's just the ability to be able to trust in that, right? And that's where we wrestle sometimes. We're going to move on here to verses 8 and 9. And here the challenge, I think, is to accept opportunity with adversity. Accept opportunity with adversity. Again, Paul says, But I will tarry in Ephesus until Pentecost, for a great and effective door is open to me, and there are many adversaries. We see, first of all, it's the Lord who provides opportunities. The Lord opens doors for us in our lives. Now, Paul, is, he shares here in verse 8 that he planned to stay in Ephesus until Pentecost. And I just told you, it seems like he changed that plan. He went earlier because he felt it so necessary that he go sooner that he did. But he was originally going to stay till after Pentecost. And Pentecost, if you know, is another name for what the Jews called the Feast of Weeks. And it was basically 50 days uh, after the Feast of First Fruits. It occurred in late May or early June. And so... You know, he's saying, I'm going to stay here till Pentecost, which means I'm not going to travel till late May or early June, which goes back to because then the weather's a little nicer and it's a little easier to make it along the road or by sea. And so it made sense. But here we see what he says, though, is there was a great and effective door. He was discerning the Lord wanted him to stay in Ephesus for, for now when he wrote this book because there was ministry here to be done. And again, you know, I think it comes down, sometimes we alter our plans because God has given an open door or something maybe you weren't planning on. It's another reminder to trust his will and not our own. But he opened a door for Paul to stay in Ephesus. And if you go back and read in Acts chapter 19, the end of 18 and chapter 19, end of verse, chapter 20, you, you read about the sort of what happened at Ephesus and it was a... Uh, just an amazing time. There was all kinds of people that came to know the Lord, and there's all this talk of them like burning the books of witchcraft and paganism and all kinds of revival and all kinds of people growing in, in the Lord. There was this great, huge door open, this big opportunity. And that's what the Lord does. He opens doors for us. He closes doors for us. You know, to be honest with you, I never thought that I would end up back in Wisconsin. Who in their right mind would live here? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just teasing. Have you been here in February? No. 
what are we doing? <laughs> but I never thought that. I hadn't lived here since 2005-ish, I think it was. And we, we moved, and we lived in Kansas City, Missouri for a while, and then we were in Arkansas for a while, and I never thought I would end up back in Wisconsin. had no, no reason to ever think that. And yet, at a time in our lives when some doors were closing, another door was opening, and the door to come here opened and to be part of this church. And then later, a lot too long after that, a door opened to be part of the ministry at Brian Bible Institute. And uh, that all happened at the end of 2008. And here we are 14 years later. And uh, every February, I keep waiting for God to close the door here. (laughs) When's the door to Hawaii open, Lord? No. But... But the Lord does that. And Paul was sensing that. You know, it's interesting, too, because sometimes with this, your desire to be with people and how you want to minister to others and love others, I can kind of relate to Paul like, I want to come to you, but I want to stay here. I want to do both. I would like to help both of you. But, you, you know, you have to make a decision in the Lord of what you, what you discern him leading you to do and how is he's opening and closing doors. I can understand the desire to be in two places at once, as it were. But alas, the Lord does. He, he, he opens and he closes the door and helps make it apparent to us where he has us. And so the Lord opens up opportunity. But the big challenge with that is with opportunity, pretty much always comes adversity. And that's what we we see in verse 9. He talks about this great and open door, and there are many adversaries. Now, when when Paul was in um, Ephesus, and you can again read about this in Acts chapter 19, a lot of people turned from idolatry, they turned from paganism, they burned the books, all kinds of revival, a lot of great stuff happening. But that led to trouble, because the the, uh, metal workers of that time, the coppersmiths and silversmiths, well, they had a good business of making little little idols for people, you know, who bought them and worshiped them. And so, you know, business, if, if idolatry's up, business is good. When, I, when Paul comes to town and idolatry goes down because people are turning to the living God in Jesus Christ, business was getting bad. And you read about a guy named Alexander who kind of led a, led a, uh, a riot. And uh, they tried to go after the Christians and even tried to get a hold of Paul. Now, the Lord preserved him. He didn't get apprehended in that time. Uh, a couple other guys did, but uh, the Lord still brought kind of a good end to it. But the whole city was in an uproar for a while. And so we, we kind of have an inkling, a little bit of an idea of what Paul was talking about when he says there was this adversity in Ephesus. But the point I take away is, is just because there's adversity doesn't mean that the door's closing. You know, and I, and I think sometimes we have to look at our heart, and, and we're making decisions and, and thinking, what does God have for us? We don't want to let adversity be what directs our steps. Challenges. No, God says there will always be challenges in any ministry, any, any, any reaching out to anybody. There's going to come adversity. Um, so, Paul, I love that because there's opportunity and there's people open, he discerns this is a big door wide open from the Lord. I can't leave yet. And yet, at the same time, through that door, he sees adversity. <laughs> he sees adversaries coming for him. And he doesn't discern that that's a closed door. 
See, that to me it shows us that when the Lord does open doors and brings opportunity, there's always probably going to be adversity. I got, some, I got a passage for you. You're not going to want to hear it, but here it is. Philippians chapter 1, 29 through 30 on the screen here. I'm just kidding about you not wanting to hear it. For to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake, having the same conflict which you saw in me and now here is in me. And when he wrote that, he was in house arrest in Rome. That's the conflict. He was a, kind of a prisoner of the state and waiting a trial to make his case and, and, and to see what, how the Lord was going to use it. But again, it says it's been granted or given that we're going to suffer too. But what we read about, the, kind of, the kinds of adversity that the Apostle Paul went through, God basically says, hey, that's, that's in my plans for you. That's, that's uh, where we kind of, you know, we kind of want to squirm a little, you know. We're like, oh, man. Where are the doors without adversity? Where are the opportunities without challenges? Where, you know, that's where we want to go. But God says, no, that's not, that doesn't help us grow, does it? He tells us in Romans 5, tribulations, what he uses to help us to grow in our patience and our character and our hope in him. And we experience his love more when we go through these hardships and things. And so there it is in Scripture, it's plain in day, but boy, it's, you, you kinda, we kind of chaff against that a little bit, don't we? Because we really don't want the adversity. But he says, no, it's all part of the opportunity. It's part of the opportunity. Because God is never just going to like, you know, I don't know, set us on a pedestal and it's all going to be easy and great. No, it's always going to be hard. It, life will always be hard. But he will always be good in the hardship. And he will always bring you through the difficulties and challenges. And those will be used to grow you. And it will be used for you to magnify Christ to the world. This is the Lord's plan for us. And so I, always, I think it's important to always recognize that suffering and trials will come. And when they do, that does not mean a closed door. Too often we're going to be tempted to make a decision out of discontentment or frustration or, I don't like this. This is hard. I want to go find something easier to do. I want a different door. And then we go start crawling through the windows, as it were, in our Christian life. <laughs> We're trying to get out of this mess. <laughs> i got to find something else. And you get in that grass is greener mentality. It's always greener over there. You know, it always looks better over there. And you know the people that make decisions out of that, where they go fine? Grass is just as brown there. <laughs> it looked green from a distance, but now that I'm there, it's just as brown as it was where I came from. It's tempting to make decisions based out of adversity and discontentment. But that's not what Paul, what he did. He was willing to embrace the adversity as part of God's opportunity for him. That, to me, is a hallmark of a mature and spiritual Christian. Again, you know, we know we're not, we're called to do all things without complaining and disputing. And we do that when we recognize that God's at work in our lives, and he's the one that's actually behind the plans, behind the things going on. You know, in our own life, um, I told you I'd been in Arkansas for a little while. There was a door that opened for my family to go to Arkansas back in 2007, I think it was. 
And, um, and so we felt that that was God's leading, and we felt that's where he wanted us, and so we went. We responded to that call. And, uh, you know, it, it, it seemed like the door is open, and you go. And then after, you know, we get in there, and you start running into adversity. Adversity. And, and our adversity really didn't have uh, a lot to do with people, but a lot of circumstances just kind of kept going sideways. Just things going sideways all the time. It was hard for me to find, like, stable work for a while and be able to support ourselves. And so there was some challenges in that at first, and that was kind of stressful and everything. And then I remember at one point, I mean, we also were uh, pregnant with our second child for a part of that. And, and then my wife gets, like, the, the worst, uh, the, you know, one of the worst poison ivy rashes I've ever seen in my life, you know, where one of her eyes was swollen shut from it. And... Uh, and then one, kind of the, sort of the capstone of our experience there was one day I was at work and I, was, I saw on the news that some guy had shot a politician in Little Rock, Arkansas, and he was sped away south from Little Rock. And I thought, wow, well, that's interesting. And then a little bit later I hear, he's coming right for Sheridan. Well, that's where we lived. You know, he, he, had, he took the highway where we lived, and he's coming right that way, and I didn't think too much about it. And so I'm, I see it on the news as I pass the TV. Um, I worked at a nursing home, by the way, and there was a TV in the, the main area where people would watch, and you'd walk by and see what's going on in the news. A little bit later, I get a call from Sarah, and she was like, there are a, there, I, there's like trucks parked on the road outside. There's like police cars outside and everything. And she was seeing the police set up a blockade right in front of our house on the highway. This guy was speeding our direction. And they were, they were pulling out their big guns, and they were pointing up the road, and they were clearing people out, and they hadn't got to our house yet. And so she's, she opens up and steps on the front porch, and she's trying to, she got me, I think you were on the phone with me, I don't remember for sure. And, and, all, and as she was doing that, this guy, speeding from Little Rock, Rock comes right in, into our front yard to avoid the police blockade. He darted off the road, went right in front of where she was. She jumps back, slams the door. He drives on through the yard into a neighboring insurance place and keeps speeding. And then she's hearing gunshots after that because they start shooting at him because he's trying to get away. He avoided their blockade. So, I, you know, maybe you'd be tempted to say, well, maybe this is the door closing. <laughs> maybe this is... Uh, is this a fleece, Lord? Is this what we're doing? No. But again, it's like, it's just a lot of challenges happened to us in that time. A lot of strange things, and there were other things. I'm just sharing a few anecdotal things, but, but as we were there, but, but it came where the pastor there was asked to resign at a certain point. Nah, I get into all the history of that or anything. But it changed. It changed the whole situation for us. And when that happened and some things with that, then we were sensing like, I just don't see how we stay. I don't see, it felt like the door was closing. It wasn't all the other adversity, you know, it wasn't the challenges, but it was certain things like that. You're like, I don't know how we stay here. And we were sensing the door was closing. And that's when we felt the door was opening to come back to Wisconsin. And so we did it. But, I, but I've always tried to be careful to not let adversity direct, not let challenges, not, you know, to, to try to be patient in what's going on, and really seek the Lord. Is, is the Lord really moving me, or do I just want to get out of the hot pot, you know, that maybe he has me in to, to learn something through, right? And I, and I just, I, you know, I can think of lots of decisions I've seen made 
over the years, and I just wonder, like, I don't want to be judgy, <laughs> but it's like, was it the Lord, or was it just to get out of a bad situation, and you just didn't, you know, maybe, I don't know, people can make decisions for all kinds of reasons, but again, I think we just, for our own caution, just make sure we don't do it because of adversity, because the Lord will always see us through adversity. There is some discernment in open and closed doors, but don't, but don't run from a challenge. Don't run from a challenge. We come to verses 10 and 12, and Paul talks about two guys, Timothy and Apollos. And I want to make a couple of points on these two guys. First of all, at times the Lord will lead us into change. Sometimes he does. Sometimes he does shut a door, open a door, and, and you, you move with it. You know, you go with it. Maybe it's a job opportunity or something like that. Sometimes you do that. The, the point is you've got to go to the Lord. O- only you can decide before the Lord for you. And there's some interesting things with Timothy and Apollos here that we read in this passage. We see in verses 10 and 11 that Paul was going to send Timothy to Ephesus. He actually sent him along with another guy named Erastus, who was actually the treasurer of Corinth, and maybe some other individuals as well. Um, and Paul here says, accept Timothy, listen to him. Don't despise him, don't, you know, don't treat him poorly. He's his fellow minister, he's a partner, and so he was calling the Corinthians to accept him and listen to him. And we know from the record of Scripture that Timothy was a faithful man. He had been with Paul through thick and thin. He'd walked through many of the same adversities with Paul. And Timothy stayed open to God's leading in his life. He stayed sensitive to the Holy Spirit. He stayed sensitive to God. In 1 Corinthians 4.17, Paul wrote this, For this reason I have sent Timothy to you, who is my beloved and faithful son in the Lord, who will remind you of my ways in Christ, as I teach everywhere in every church. So Paul says, I'm sending Timothy, but you know, there's another part of that equation. Do we think Timothy didn't have a choice? Did Timothy just say, you know, whatever Paul said Timothy did? I don't think so. I think Paul sent Timothy because Timothy was willing to go, and God was working in his heart toward this end. Let me read another verse to you from 2 Corinthians 1.24. 2 Corinthians 1.24 says, Not that we have dominion over your faith, but are fellow workers for your joy, for by faith you stand. And in that verse, I, I love that Paul says, I don't have dominion over your faith. He told the Corinthians that, which tells us this is his attitude toward any Christian. I'm not here to lord over your faith. In other words, I'm not here to be Holy Spirit to you and what you're going to do for the Lord and what decisions you're making. I will not take dominion over your faith. I'll give you what I think. (laughs) I'll tell you what the Lord's told me as far as the truth revealed for the church. That's what Paul would do. But he didn't go around telling individuals what all they should be doing and not doing in their own individual lives. He left it to them to make decisions with the Lord because he wanted them to be in, in liberty before the Lord, not under his yoke, as it were. And so he's careful how when he instructs and advises, he still does so with this mentality. You, in the end, must decide. And you, you, you stand before the Lord. By faith, you stand. It's your faith with the Lord and what you're going to do. And that's what it would have been with Timothy. So when he says, I send Timothy to you, the only thing I can understand is that Timothy felt the Lord leading him to go to Corinth. And when the opportunity, the open door for Timothy to go, he said, yes, Lord, I'll go. I'll, I'll, I'll go with Erastus, and we'll go, and we'll, we'll see if we can minister to the Corinthians. We'll go there in the Lord. 
Now, we know Paul, Paul probably urged Timothy to go and gave him some good reasons why that might be good. But again, the decision ultimately would be Timothy's. And this is, this is just, again, this is like prototypical for all of us. We all have decisions in life. And, you know, I, I think you've got a decision you're facing you. And I think you certainly can listen to others. In the multitude of counselors, there's wisdom. We can listen to others. But we have to go to the Lord, and we have to go to the Lord in prayer, and we pour out our heart, and we ask the Lord to direct us. And I think the Lord even gives you peace in your heart in some of your decisions where, if they're big, that he gives you a peace of which way you should go. But in the end, it's between us and the Lord. And sometimes God, he also he uses the circumstances to help direct you, to, to show you what, what doors are opening and what doors are closing. And sometimes, with all of those things considered, you move into something new, a change, a new opportunity perhaps, like Timothy did here. But at times, the Lord will lead us to remain where you are. That's simple, right? Sometimes you go, sometimes you stay. It's between you and the Lord. And then with Apollos, you see the other side. Now, Paul says, now concerning Apollos in verse 12, and the whole time through 1 Corinthians, every time he said now concerning, it seems that he's addressing a specific question or request from them. And if you go back, there's like several of these phrases now concerning. So it had been some previous conversation with them or some question, and he's addressing it. Apparently, the Corinthians had asked, can Apollos come? We kind of like him. And if you remember from earlier in Corinthians, it, it seems like you know, he had his own following in the church. Some said, I'm of Apollos, I'm of, of Paul, I'm of Cephas, I'm of Christ. And, you know, they were, they were a real mess. <laughs> but anyway, they had their, favorite, their favorites, playing favorites. And Apollos was known as an eloquent speaker, real sharp guy when you read about him in the book of Acts. And they're probably thinking, hey, we'll take Apollos. He's a, he's a pretty good speaker. We'll take him. Well, they would have still got the truth from him. They, he still probably would have, you know scolded them, as it were, you know, rebuked them for what where they were um, not walking in faith. But Paul says, you know what? I did talk to Apollos. I, I said, hey, you, you, you should really consider going. It would be really good. They would love to have you, and you could really speak to them, minister to them. He says, I really urged him, and he said, no thanks. <laughs> now, if you're trying to tell me to go to Corinth after reading this book, I'd be like, no thanks. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. No. <clears throat> That would have maybe felt like, you know, out of the, out of the frying pan into the fire. <laughs> yeah, Ephesus is rough, but Corinth sounds next level. No, <laughs> But anyway, no, I don't know. We don't know. But again, Paul said, hey, I talked to him, and I put the opportunity before him. And Paul said, I'm not, I, don't, I don't feel that's for me right now. He says he was unwilling to go. It wasn't his will to go. He said, and it says, though, he said, he'll come when it's convenient. He will come when he has a convenient time. Apollos before the Lord and making his decisions with the Lord was feeling like, no, I don't, think, I don't think that's an open door for me. I think I'm here right now for a reason. So I'm going to stay here. And Paul didn't say, and he was wrong. <laughs> he said earlier, if the Lord permits. The Lord permitted Paul to stay in Ephesus, permitted Timothy to go, permitted Apollos to stay. And now this is a time when people are receiving revelation from the Lord and prophecies and all this. And yet, there's no, I don't think any hint that any of them had anything specific from the Lord on this. They, just like you and I, they had to make their decisions with the Lord 
in the quietness of their heart and in prayer and in seeking to sense his leading in their own lives and to trust that he would direct their steps. They didn't get a, they didn't, this is not a special case. I think this, again, is a prototypical you know, picture of how we all have to come to our own decisions in the Lord. We can listen, we pray, we stay sensitive to the Spirit and His leading, but we make our decision with and in the Lord. And I think when, when there are doors that may be seeming to open, I think God is going to have already been working on your heart. Let me share a couple of passages up on the screen briefly. Philippians 2.13 says, For it is God who works in you, both to will and to do for his good pleasure. For to, to will and to do. To the will there is that word for like desire. It's God who works in you for the desire. And then the, the doing of that desire. He's working through this whole process, but it starts in your, your will, your desire. I think he lays things on your heart. It may burden your heart for a ministry that he doesn't burden somebody else's heart for. That doesn't mean the other person's unspiritual. It just maybe this is what the Lord has for you because of who you are in Christ. In, a, in an example of this, I'll, I'll bring up another example outside of Timothy and Apollos, and this is the man Titus. We're going to read about him more in 2 Corinthians. He also went to Corinth on Paul's behalf between the epistles of 1 and 2 Corinthians. And in 2 Corinthians 8, 16, and 17, Paul writes of Titus. And he says this, But thanks be to God who puts the same earnest care for you into the heart of Titus. For he not only accepted the exhortation, but being more diligent, he went to you of his own accord. See, Titus made a decision with the Lord and in the Lord to go to Corinth. What went into that decision? Well, Paul exhorted him. Paul said, hey, you know, what do you, what do you think of this? I think you'd be great there. <laughs> I don't know how he said it, but that's how I envision it. <laughs> you ought to consider going. But what does it say? What does Paul say? Thanks to me, because I talked him into it. <laughs> Thanks to God, because God put that care into Titus's heart. The heart is God's domain. The heart is God's domain, and that's where God begins his work in us. He's leading us somewhere, directing us in a way. He's going to start there, and there's going to be that desire, and then the doors are going to open. And through prayer and through just being sensitive to the Lord, I think it becomes evident when we have these big decisions in our life. So we recognize God works in our hearts, God works in circumstances, and it's really about an attitude of seeking him and his will, to have the same mentality that Paul had, if the Lord permits, as the Lord wills. You know, there was a Sunday morning long ago where some ladies were making their way to a tomb to take care of a body, to anoint a body. You remember this story? You ever hear this one before? The ladies were sad and grieving, but they wanted to honor the body of Jesus who had been crucified Mary Magdalene and some of the other women, they weren't sure how they were going to open the tomb when they went, when they were going to anoint the body with spices, but they went anyway. They had a plan, but with some uncertainties. But then when they got to the tomb, for a moment it looked even worse because the stone was rolled away, the tomb was empty, and they thought somebody had stolen the body or carried it off, and they weren't even going to be able to do this little simple honorary tribute to him by anointing his body. You see how the Lord changed their plans? <laughs> and for a little bit, they felt even worse. And in 
John, it tells us specifically how Mary was outside the tomb crying, weeping, because like, I don't even get to see his body again. And then some gardener started talking to her, saying, what are you crying about? (laughs) And she starts asking him, do you know what they did with the Lord's body? And you know what it is. It was the Lord, wasn't it? The Lord revealed himself to her. And suddenly, Mary realized that when God changes your plans, it can be really good. (laughs) It may be way more than you ever thought. As Philip, uh, what is it, Ephesians 3 tells us, he does exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. But are we open to him to change the plans according to his will? Father, we just thank you for the passage this morning, Lord, and just always the encouragement that comes from your word of you know, even the example of Paul and these other men of just what it looks like to walk by faith and to accept when you open doors and when you close doors and to be sensitive to you and your leading in our hearts and in our lives. And just the marvelous thing of how you use your body and how you've gifted and called each one of us and you lead us to where you can use us, Father, to glorify yourself. And so again, may we indeed make plans but remain flexible to you and focused on people so that we can be sensitive to when you do open doors to us to speak truth into somebody's life. Father, we're just thankful. We thank you for our time to get today, all the beautiful singing and just the time together, the fellowship, Lord. We just love you and praise you in Christ's name. Amen.